Hello, book lovers, and welcome to Rather Be Reading. You're Alyssa. And you're Persephone. Join us as we talk about our most recent reads and all things bookish. Here is the next chapter. So, hello! Hi, everyone! (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it's been forever since I've seen you. Like, it's so sad. The last time we even recorded was end of September and it was virtual. So the last time like we've been in person together has been like over a month or something, at least a month. Yeah. Yes. I don't know about you, but like I'm missing it in my life. Like I miss Persephone time. Same. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like it's been been, like we were doing it every week for a period of time. So now it's like, wait, where are you? (laughs) What's going on in your life? Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, what is, well, what's going on in your life? Kind of a, kind of a lot, I guess. Um, I've been very busy lately, oh as we, we kind of talked about before we started recording, but I just got back from a trip to North Carolina to see Sam. Um, congratulations. My family's coming into town. Yeah, congratulations to, the, to her. She's newly engaged. Um, yes. It's a really fun trip. Uh, hi, Sam, by the way. Hopefully you're listening. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then a family coming into town this week and it's just been a busy time. So it's nice to sit down and talk with you and I'm excited to hear about your book. So update, why don't, why don't you update the listeners on kind of what's going to be happening this episode? <laughs> okay. Okay. Friends, this is a shameful moment, but <laughs> due to some continued technical difficulties on my end, um, we are re-recording my spooky book, but um, I'm not going to make stuff endure listening to the same review <laughs> twice. <laughs> so I'm doing a different spooky book. I'm so um, the, first, the first one I did was The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy, and it was phenomenal. Check it out. It um, sounds so good. It's a really good book. Yeah, check it out. Um but today I will be talking about a different book and then we're going to kind of like splice it and put Seth's beautiful, beautifully recorded review <laughs> from our initial recording after. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of at the second half of this episode, the audio for Liz will switch over to her original audio um, because I did not read another spooky book. So <laughs> you'll have um you'll have a kind of mismatch of audio there just to be aware of that yeah yes sorry sorry everyone so do you have any updates from the last time we talked oh yeah um okay yes so i read the cutest graphic novel that i felt like i couldn't really talk about it because it's not like fitting with our spooktober theme you know And so it just feels so out of place, but it was so fucking cute. It was called The Princess and the Grilled Cheese. Oh my God. How do you find the cutest sounding graphic novels ever? It was a Target find and I'd never seen it before, but it like caught my interest and I was like, fuck it, it's happening. And so I got it. I read it. I devoured it. It was so fucking cute so oh my god highly recommend everything in the book is like named after a cheese so (laughs) i i love cheese you can't go wrong with that (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And oh, the author slash creator, illustrator, like, wrote it with the inspiration of like how she met her wife and like the dedication is like I know this is cheesy but and it's like a whole book about cheese so cute it's so cute highly recommend um a man called Ove so (laughs) Kyle just listened to so he started the audiobook because he's like, I saw that it was like available. And so I was like, yeah, I'll just read it or listen to it. Okay. Pause. He started it and then mm-hmm. he like paused and was like catching up on our episodes. And he mm-hmm. was like, Liz, I just listened to Seth's review of a man called Ove and like I'm listening to the audiobook right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know if I want to continue this shit. (laughs) He's like, that book is so, he's like, it's so bad. And he's like, and honestly, very similar to your review. He was like, like what Seth was saying, a character can only be so shitty in order for me to like believe it and also to have any sort of like, respect love appreciation yeah yeah and he was like i hate it so he literally like dnf'd it after your review (laughs) i don't want him to to have swayed his opinion if he was not thinking that previously (laughs) no i think he was like but i think that like similarly to you like i feel like it was just kind of this like process where he started listening to it was like and then like saw that you had reviewed it and was like I'm curious like what Seth thinks and then after he had because he had also gotten to like those fat phobic comments and he's like yeah that was fucking Mm -hmm. disgusting like so so awful like how fat phobic can a person be and like how reflective that could potentially be of the person writing it it's fine (laughs) but you know like so, so he was like honestly like it's not worth it's not worth I can only take so much but it's just it's just I'm glad I'm not alone. I hope I saved him from just a horrible time with a book then <laughs> <laughs> you did and I think he's honestly constantly inspired by what you're reading because he's reading Name Aww. of the Wind right now <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had to share that that news with you. Um and then right now, oh okay, Jason Siegel. Um mm-hmm. like you know the forgetting Sarah Marshall actor? Yeah. Okay. Did you know that he was an author? No, no. Okay, so he has written, like, middle grade novels. No way! Yes! It's so crazy! And I haven't listened, so I have the first one on Libby, and I need to, I need to listen to it, but I have another book ahead of it. But um, he narrates it, but it's kind of like a spooky middle grade novel, um, and it's about nightmares. Oh, that sounds so cute. Isn't that cute? Apparently he had nightmares growing up. And so he wrote this really cute kid's story about it. 
I really like him. Like I've always liked him as an actor. It's funny you say forgetting Sarah Marshall. I for for me it's um uh how I met your mother. That's where I know him mostly from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <For> that <show>. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Loki, same. <laughs> but I do feel like in a lot of ways, How I Met Your Mother aged like milk. <laughs> Is what? Oh, so yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, but no, totally, totally. Um, but yeah, it's so I cute, will and I keep it kind of for that. Yeah, I think it's literally just called nightmares with an exclamation point. Right on. That's so cute. I love that. Did not know that. I know. And he, yeah, he narrates the audiobook. Cute. Precious. Precious all around. Love it. Um, do you have any more updates? Um, my only update is kind of an update on what I had mentioned in our intro for our original recording. So I'm going to update everyone on what the original comment was and then what my update to the update was. <laughs> I totally have a guess, but I'm ready. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Um, so it's basically just, okay. So I had some spooky show recommendations from uh-huh. the originally recorded this episode and they're all Mike Flanagan shows. So the honey of Hill house, mm-hmm. the honey of boy manor and midnight mass. And then mm-hmm. at the beginning of the last, or during our last episode, I had, um, said that he has a new show, The Fall of the House of Usher, coming mm-hmm. out in October. But as we had recorded in September, I had not started watching it yet. Well, it's now October, so I've started watching it, and mm-hmm. I can say it lives up to my expectations, and I do recommend it. I'm only I'm only an episode in, so I don't even know how it goes. But the first episode is so oh, gripping yeah. that I'm like, all right, I can tell. Fuck <laughs> oh yes. God, I'm getting so excited. I'm choking. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> No. Water break, water break. Yeah. I knew it. I saw it on Netflix, like the little teaser, and I was like, I need to know what Seth thinks. It's good. And it has it follows in the trend of his other shows where a lot of a lot of the characters um go from show to show, not in their original roles, or I guess not the characters, the actors go from show to show. Uh-huh. Um so seeing a lot of familiar faces and I love all the actors that he uses. So do recommend for this spooky yeah. season. You should watch any of his shows and you don't need to watch them in any particular order. They're all independent. So do recommend. Yes. Yeah, I really need to watch I need to finish Midnight Mass. I need to watch Blythe Matter Manor. Blythe Matter. <laughs> that sounds like a dope name for a show too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Um, and then, um, yeah, I saw kind of the teaser trailer for that one, the house of the fall of the house of. I can't, I can't. Usher. Yeah, it's Usher. Works. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what? No clue. <laughs> yeah. Now thinking about it, I'm like, where did Usher? Where did Usher go? Where did Usher go? Drop off the face of the world in like the late early 2000s that makes no sense but you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that's amazing I am so glad that it's like met slash exceeded expectations lived up to the hype 
Beautiful. It's a good one. Beautiful. Um, That's my only update. So So I'm excited to hear what your new spooky read is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you again for your patience and flexibility. Of Um, course. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So for my kind of like scrambling Spooktober second book, um, Mm -hmm. I guess third I read a spooky. <laughs> I read a spooky novella, and it is. I think I talked to you a little bit about it last time, but it's called Night of the Mannequins. Ooh, um, I'm excited. Yeah. Stephen Graham Jones. It's a um, creepy, creepy um cover. Yeah, it's got this weird kind of ominous little like plastic hand i feel like this just makes it look like a bird my little chicken wing (laughs) gesture (laughs) um but yeah and it's got kind of the slasher font you know it just looks so classic slasher movie Mm -hmm. um so stephen graham jones i actually so i saw this book when i was at powell's last time i saw it and i was like that's interesting like it was in the horror section i was looking for some inspo for this month um and so i grabbed it and then was looking at the other stuff that he's written and homeboy's been everywhere (laughs) like i've (laughs) i haven't read any of his other stuff but it's been like on my radar for a while because um he wrote the only good indians or indian the only good indian oh the one that you almost read with the horns yeah i didn't know that was him yeah i didn't either and then um there's one that i saw quite a bit on other people's bookstagrams that was um my heart is a chainsaw and don't fear the reaper Oh, I think I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were all on my list, and I did not realize that he had written all of them. Um, so, Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. Okay, so I'm excited. The first, I'm glad. Yeah, it's honestly, it was definitely a good one. First and foremost, it was great. So the first sentence just like totally sucks you in. Um, So I'm going to read it. It says, so Shanna got a new job at the movie theater. We thought we'd play a fun prank on her. And now most of us are dead. And I'm really starting to feel kind of guilty about it all. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. <laughs> so good. Like, just totally sucks you right in. Um, Love the little kind of hint of humor in with the horror, too. It's great. Uh, yes. It's like so classic. It's, it's, oh, beautiful. So, the story is told from the perspective of Sawyer. He is our main character. Um, and he is in high school and has his main core group of friends, um, including Shanna, the one who works at the movie theater, Tim, Danielle, and JR. So a little bit of backstory is one summer, the friends, you know, they were just like a typical group of friends that did everything together. I think a lot of like Kyle and his high school friends, because Mm. they were like, I was more of a floater, so I didn't really have, like, a group, you know? 
But Kyle, like, had a core group of friends, and they did Mm -hmm. everything together. So that's kind of what I pictured when reading about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have a core group, or were you more of a floater? Uh, I had a core group. I would not survive. I'm not social enough to be a floater. (laughs) That's That's fair. I had, like, three people maybe four that we would all sit together at lunch and they're the only people I hung out out with outside of school as well. So, yep, that was my group. (laughs) Are you still friends with them? No, Um, not in like a bad way, but just after, after high school, everyone kind of went different directions and I don't live in Montana anymore. So I I mean, I still love them, but we don't talk on a regular basis, which is sad. I feel like a lot of people keep really close contact with their high school friends. And I'm always so jealous of people who are like, oh, I've had the same best friend since elementary school. And I'm like, nice. I know that's like Kyle right now is hanging out with one of his like childhood friends. It's oh, so crazy. Nice. That's but so yeah. Cute. It is so cute. And it's just wild how yeah, how people like grow up. Anyways, I digress. Um so <laughs> <laughs> Sawyer and his group of friends do everything together. Um and so one summer they are playing on JR's property and they are using boxes like cardboard boxes to slide down a hill. Um classic teenage activity. And at the bottom of this hill in kind of these like swampy muddy lands, they find an arm and realize that it's like a plastic arm. Oh, and they kind of like (laughs) 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 Um, cover it and it is a mannequin. Um, And so they kind of nickname him Manny because he's a mannequin. (laughs) Classic. So creative. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so in a lot of ways, like Manny kind of became like the sixth addition to their friend group. Um, But it's super weird, but they would like play <laughs> pranks on each other. They would like sneak him into each other's house. Like they would like, you know, just kind of have these little inside jokes. Um, and eventually once they kind of got tired of, you know, this ongoing like joke, um, Manny ended up in Sawyer's garage hoisted on his dad's motorcycle Um the it's like a kawasaki it's a type mm-hmm. of motorcycle mm-hmm. i only really know that because of macklemore's song downtown <laughs> <laughs> it's <Love>. not ideal <laughs> uh, so Sh- shanna works at the movie theater She kind of sneaks Sawyer and his friends in, but they get caught. They hadn't bought their tickets, um, and so they get kicked out. And then they go back to the movie theater um, a different day with a prank in mind. So they do buy their tickets this time, but they each kind of break off a piece of Manny and kind of like stuff it in weird like in their sweatshirts and like down their like pant legs and like you know it's kind of like strap like a leg to a leg or whatever and then kind of hide him on their person 
That's dedication. I know. To a prank. <laughs> yeah. I feel like one thing would go wrong. I'd pee my pants and be like, all right, game's over. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. done. <laughs> right. Just too sexual. I have to pee. <laughs> <laughs> they sneak him in to this movie theater. Um, and then together reassemble him and then they all take off like their extra layer of clothes and like dress him too. So that's a thing. Um, and they're like, ha ha ha, you know, we paid for our tickets. It's fine. Shanna, like, is totally going to get the joke. She's going to love it. It's going to be great. Um, (laughs) so after they put him together, they like disperse in different parts of the theater to like, not seem like they came in together. Um, and so Sawyer's in the front row, um, and the others are like in the back. Um, and uh, he's kind of like crouched on the ground and talks about how, like, apparently at this movie theater, it was like just common knowledge that the like high school athletes would like pee from the top of the. I didn't know this was a thing, but it would top from like the top row, they would pee, and then it would like dribble down all the rows. What? I don't know. Hate high schoolers, man. I hate high schoolers. God, to think that I was one makes me want to barf. Disgusts me. Absolutely. God, ew. Um. So Sawyer's like waiting and watching. A manager comes in to check everyone's tickets they tucked a little ticket stub in manny's like front pocket so that he was like accounted for um but then (laughs) it's like so weird um then as sawyer like looks back um to see he sees manny get up and walk out oh god no nope i'm done (laughs) super weird how long have they had manny at this point oh i think like a couple of years okay and they've never seen him walk before no this is the the first like anthropomorphic moment (laughs) god damn it (laughs) i know it's wild and then sawyer at this point like mentions that you know, he's like, do my eyes deceive me? Um, <laughs> and he's like, I haven't. He says that he hasn't taken his meds in a few days. So he's like, okay. maybe I just am a little fuzzy wuzzy. I don't know. Is this like but, or is this like an antipsychotic med? <laughs> what? <laughs> Not specified. <laughs> it does leave you to wonder. <laughs> so... Regardless, Sawyer is convinced that A, Manny is alive. Mm-hmm. B, Manny feels neglected um, oh. because he was part of the <laughs> because he was part of the friend group. He was hanging out with them. He would go to all these things, but now he's just been stuck in the garage. So he's convinced that he feels neglected by his his homies. Um, And then it escalates so that Sawyer now believes that 
Manny, in addition to being alive and missing his friends, is also stealing Miracle Grow from their like garden and from their like garden supplies and is eating the Miracle Grow and huh. is as a result growing huh. <laughs> in size. <Okay. laughs> Seems logical. So, Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> point a to point b you know there's no other (laughs) that's high school logic right there done a plus (laughs) yep um and so he's convinced that this is happening and that because manny misses all of his friends he's going to hunt down each of them um, starting with Shanna, who gets killed shortly after this prank incident, um, because Sawyer's convinced that Manny, like, was walking around the streets and this truck swerved to, like, not hit this figure that they saw and crashed into her house killing her her dogs so sad um oh, her shit. mom and her sister yeah oh, so she's like done and and after that kind of like tragedy sawyer's like oh my god it was fucking manny like he did this and he's like i need to save like my friends families because Manny's going to hunt down all of our friends and try to, like, get them back, I guess. And so he's like, but he's going to accidentally kill their families, like, in the process. And he's like, and, like, I mean, my friends would rather, like, die at my hand than at the hand of a plastic mannequin. (laughs) what (laughs) i know it's just whoa i have some suspicions about what med sawyer was on i do (laughs) it's like one of those things where it's like he makes one comment at the beginning of like i think i forgot my meds for the past few days (laughs) and then he never brings it up again and you're like but he's like i should kill my friends so that my yep. the mannequin doesn't. <laughs> I'd Naturally. do a much better job than this mannequin. <laughs> yeah, yeah get the really harm like... reduction aspect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he literally, he's like, I mean, I just, he's like, it's not that I want my friends to die. And he's like, and I bet that you're all thinking like, why am I so obsessed with family? And he's like, it's basic math. <laughs> he's like, oh my god, one friend to save five of their family members. <laughs> he's like, swear no, swear no. Um, oh Lord, God. So it starts with Shanna, and then he progressively kills one friend after the next. It's so horrifying. Um, Is it told from Sawyer's perspective? Like, are you with Sawyer yes. as he's killing his friends? Yes. Yes. Oh, Lord. And it's so weird. 
And the first one that he kills is his friend, Tim. So he, like, sneaks out of his house. He steals his dad's bike, um, rides to Tim's house, climbs into his window. But it's fucking terrifying because he, like, started wearing this mask that looks like a mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to like kill his people oh um, no it's so creepy and so then he strangles tim with i think like a cord or something but then he's like but i don't want this to look like he had killed himself because i don't want his family to think that um So if I make it look like an accident or like somebody broke in, then it'll look like it was somebody else's decision. And so it's so gross. He, okay, so graphic. He stabs, after he kills his friend, he like stabs him to a wall. Like, like, like. Oh, God. Yeah, and like has and then he's like there's this scene where he finds out who finds the body is Tim's one of his younger siblings. Oh and no. I know. And Sawyer has this moment of like great. Now everyone that I'm trying to protect, especially the younger kids, are now scarred for life. And he's like, at least they have a life to live. Oh, my God. It's insane. So it's an absolute cluster. Um, And then let's see. So one by one, the friends kind of get knocked off until the very end. Um, And then there is kind of a twist at the end that kind of makes Sawyer like, oh, like it's a twist to the, yeah, it's a twist to the point where Sawyer's like, if you remove the first domino that falls, are the rest of them even like, are they still standing? Are, right? Like, are they not? (laughs) No. And he's like, bullshit. Like, it's like a very... Bullshit. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Um, But my thoughts were, A, what a ride. Like, holy shit. Um, it seems like a super interesting, like, perspective and yes. plot where you're, like, with the person that's doing the terrors. As opposed to, like, someone viewing or trying to solve from the outside. Yeah. It so totally was. Like, and that was kind of one of my comments, too. Like, I was expecting it to be this kind of, like, cheesy slasher movie-esque, you know, but, um, like, energy or story. And it was... But, like, as the reader, you witness it from the perspective of the slasher himself. It's almost Um, more horrific that way, I feel. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And it was very much, like, it was very interesting because at first, like, the first, like, 10 pages, I mean, it is so fast moving because it is a novella, but... um, like the first 10 pages, I was like, God, he's skipping all over the place. Like, 
what even is like, I was like worried that I wouldn't get into it. Mm. But then like, as it progressed, kind of seeing all of these weird angles that he like turns down and like spirals down and how he pulls himself back, his like narrative back is so fascinating. So genius, honestly. Like I thought it was just so incredibly well done. Um, And his voice, like, as the main character, Sawyer's voice reminded me so much of, um, did you ever read Catcher in the Rye for, like, high school or anything? I didn't, no. Yeah, okay, so there's this main character, Holden Caulfield, who's, like, such an angsty teen and just, like, very kind of moody, broody, like, you know, sarcastic, and their voices were so similar to me. Like there's this part in, um, you know, night of the mannequins where Sawyer's like, he says something and then like, or he just like, yeah, he says something, um, to the reader. And then afterwards he's like, and yes, that was sarcasm. And then (laughs) I was looking (laughs) at like, Holden Caulfield quotes from Catcher in the Rye because I was like, they're so similar. And I found three that was like, oh my God, yeah, that's Sawyer. So there's, I can be quite sarcastic when I'm in the mood. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And then um, the second one is, I can't explain what I mean. And even if I could, I'm not sure I feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of like breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, And then the last quote from Holden that reminded me a lot of Sawyer was, um, among other things, you'll find that you're not the first person who was ever confused and frightened and even sickened by human behavior. Um, And it just so reminded me of Sawyer because it is this very like – removed and distant kind of like perspective Mm -hmm. um and I feel like it's this very much like this kind of elevated perspective that you have like or at least that I had at least when like you're younger where Mm -hmm. you kind of just think that you're the first person to think a certain way or feel a certain way and that like yeah you know better um Yeah, and so that's kind of what it reminded me of because he has this awareness of, you know, everyone's the hero of their own story, like, but, like, also believing that he is the hero in his own story as well. And, like, I know his own story somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, like, I know this is wrong, I know this is bad, but it boils down to math, like, this is hard work, but someone's <laughs> got to do it. Like, you know, and it's, that was really interesting. That is interesting. Um, yeah. And then um, in terms of the forgotten meds, I I made a comment about that too, because I really did appreciate that there was no re- misrepresentation of mental illness. Like mm-hmm. he never specified what the meds were for all we knew, mm-hmm. like for all we know, they were, you know, allergy meds or something right. like that. Or like, <laughs> you know, and so I thought it was 
really refreshing and tactfully kind of maneuver to have this Mm -hmm. twisty, turvy character um, without the misrepresentation, um, Mm -hmm. you know, of of something that people, you know, like like, the blame of a diagnosis. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah, I thought that was really well done. Um, Mm -hmm. And also kind of leaves a lot to the imagination of like, was it that? Was that just a passing comment? Like, what does that mean? Um, So that was really cool. And then, um, yeah, the twist at the end that challenges everything was very well done, especially for a novella to have like, twists like that and it wasn't just like and then they woke up like it was <laughs> like <laughs> it was like a pretty substantial twist that I was like for 130 pages like beautiful Ooh. beautifully done yeah nice um yeah it was really good um and then the last two parts um from my thoughts are The first was I was so fascinated by the evolution of Manny, like the mannequin, because, you know, it it was so interesting because at first, you know, they find him because they find this part of him, his arm. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he goes from being a part to being kind of like an accessory as part of this group that they like cart around with them and like mm-hmm. play practical jokes on each other with. And so he's kind of more of an accessory to then when Sawyer sees him kind of walk out of the theater, kind of come alive and walk out of the theater. Um, he becomes like Manny becomes this individual and mm-hmm. it's his own person. And mm-hmm. then he eats all this miracle grow. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And <laughs> um, becomes this giant. Like he's a massive giant. And, you know, there's this part where Manny or um, Sawyer goes back to the movie theater and like can kind of feel the earth shaking a little bit. They're in an area that is at high risk for like tornadoes. So they get a lot Mm -hmm. of like the sirens and the, the alarms and things, but the whole building is shaking and Sawyer's like, Oh my God, it's like, it's not the elements. It's Manny. He's climbing on top of the movie theater building. Like, (laughs) He's breaking through the roof as we speak. Like, Uh he's convinced. And then he lives, Manny lives in the lake. (laughs) He, like, lives (laughs) Naturally, where any mannequin would live. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but why not? (laughs) And then, you know, he goes from climbing on these commercial buildings to being big enough to like stomp on people and like making the earth kind of rumble. And then at the end, there are these like tornadoes. And um, so I hear's like, Oh my God, it was Manny. Like, and it's so now he's like, <laughs> it's so wild. So it's like, he went all the way from being just like an arm in the mud at the bottom of yeah. this hill 
to being like a spinner of storms literally larger than life (laughs) yeah it was so interesting and um honestly it kind of my last thought was that like it kind of reminded me of you know being a child and like I was such an anxious child and being able to almost convince myself of like things that I thought I was seeing or things that I thought I heard or things that I thought were there but actually weren't like Mm -hmm. I knew that they weren't but like it was enough for me as like a little kid to be like but were they though like Mm -hmm. why you know like and just kind of like reminded me of how powerful how powerful things can be in that way like when we like can become so convinced by our own narratives and like the own like our own yeah. stories that we're telling yeah. ourselves like it's i just thought that was so fascinating and like kind of more subtle but definitely like a potent part of the story i felt it was it was like, really good it was really my- well done like hearing you talk about that reminded me like reminds me of when I was in like middle school or high school or even elementary school and I would be like oh like in the morning I get up and I'm like oh I don't want to like I don't want to go to school today like maybe I'll pretend to be sick and then I'll be like I'd be thinking about it and then I'd be like oh actually like I kind of do feel sick and my stomach would like actually feel like it's hurting but it's totally just the power of my own like narrative and imagination like that reminds me of that nice. but on a much more devastating level (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely yeah no it's so true it's so true and it's like it's funny that you use that example too because um back when I was a camp counselor um we had a lot of kids that would experience like homesickness but we weren't allowed to call it that as counselors because kids would hear that term Mm. and would actually like make themselves sick or believe that they were sick so that they could go home so (laughs) interesting yeah yeah and I saw it happen there was because I was like that's no but there was one camper (laughs) who was literally like totally fine like you would put him in front of an activity that he loved and he was like just came to life but then after when it was over and he had to leave would be like I feel like I'm gonna barf like yeah. I have homesickness and he literally <laughs> said, I'm just homesick I need my mom like so they made us call it um missing homeness <laughs> <Instead of laughs> cute yeah. yeah yeah totally that makes complete the power sense of the mind mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. so definitely that was that was mine. I love it. How intriguing. Thanks. And I love that it's yeah, like, like a novella yeah. and a quick read too. Like that makes it nice. Yes. Yeah. I think I read it in like an afternoon. It went so nice. fast. And yeah, I think he's written a lot of stuff. And um, oh, I was going to share just like a little snippet snippet from his acknowledgments because it was really fucking cute. Um, he apparently he's like super into slasher movies um, and like will watch them with his kids and talk about them to his wife. But he goes um, and 
big thing. He takes like a paragraph to thank his kids and his wife. It's so cute. But he goes, I know. He goes, and big thanks to my son and daughter, Rain and Kinsey, slasher kids to the core, raised on them, always watching them with me, always up for talking them through, always up for one more. And finally, thanks to my wife, Nancy, who isn't into slashers, even a little, but lets me follow her around the house and tell her all about this one or that one anyway or whichever one I'm writing now and how I'm finally going to get it right this time, really. She goes... I'm pretty sure she knows better, (laughs) knows that this is never going to stop, but following her around the house talking about slashers, man, if that's not the best forever I can hope for, then I can't imagine what Oh my god, that is so cute. How sweet. I know. Is that not the most precious thing you've ever heard? Love it. Oh my god. So cute. So now We'll get to hear about your book. Yeah, Q Splicing. <laughs> Good, Jen. I'm so excited. Okay, so, everything. This week, let me grab uh-huh. my notes. Um, I read Slewfoot by Brom. 100% picked up this book because of the cover. It has such yeah. like an intriguing uh, Halloweenish vibe yeah. cover like witchy vibe it's like a if you haven't seen the cover you should look it up because it's what really drew me to the book but it's like a full moon and then there's a woman question mark sitting on a broomstick hovering in front of the moon and she's got like goats hooves slash legs Very, um what, what t- mr tumness <laughs> looking so that's like 100 why i picked up this book i I'd heard like a couple things about it, but not a ton, but I had seen the cover and I was just like, I gotta do it. So Slewfoot by Brom. This is very like a, like witches and feminine rage vibes book, which I am all about. A hundred percent. It's super puritanical. Um, It takes place in 19, or not 19, (laughs) that would not be very (laughs) terrible. In 1666, New England, Sutton, New England. Um, So it's the colonies still, you still got England kind of ruling over the area, very puritanical, very women should be seen but not heard. The women have to, you know, be wearing very modest clothing, keep their hair all covered in their bonnets. You have church every Sunday. And if you miss out on church, you're like sent to the stocks for punishment. Oh my God. All of that jazz. And so the book opens up with this dark, ancient spirit being awakened by these voices which you come to find out are what are called the wild folk which are like spirits of ancient spirits of the forest and it's three spirits in particular and they're kind of like a dying I don't want to say breed because they're spirits but like a dying entity because they've been killed and destroyed by humanity but so you've got these three forest spirits and their names are forest creek and sky and they're kind of these creepy looking little creatures forest looks like an opossum Uh except for he's got and I'll show you pictures because there's pictures Uh in here as well but forest looks like an opossum but has the face of like a child a baby Uh and (laughs) I know (laughs) super creepy and Creek is like a fish, but has a 
the face of a baby and then Ew. sky looks like a raven but has the face of a baby Ew, so that's-, that's so weird <laughs> i know oh, that's forest that's creek that is sky that the is raven. horrifying yeah oh so there's those three little spirits forest is the only one throughout the book that really has like a distinct voice that you hear but basically you open up, there's these three creatures that are awakening this really dark, really ancient spirit in basically a pit in the ground in the forest. They're calling him father as he's awakening, and he's kind of begrudgingly waking up. He's like, leave me alone, leave me alone. No, I'm I'm asleep. No, leave me alone. And they're like, no, it's time to awaken. Um, here, feast. And they've got this creature in front of him that they have killed. It's It's a goat. Um, And so this dark creature starts drinking its blood. And then as it kind of starts gaining form and strength from drinking this blood, um, it starts, it starts to take on like human kind of upper half, but then like a goat lower half as it's feeding on this goat, it's kind of taking on those qualities. He starts, you know, devouring the organs coming to life. So that's kind of our, our opening scene. And then it switches over to Abatha, who is our main character, and she is a 20-year-old. She got married at 18. She grew up in England, but as the colonies were looking for, you know, it was originally men that came over, and then they started needing women to start, you know, forming families, forming communities, that sort of thing. Her father sold her at the age of 17 to be shipped across the ocean to be married off in New England. So she was married at 18. She is now 20. She's married to Edward and she lives on his farm. Edward is 30. I think he's 10 years older than her. We switched to Abatha's perspective and she's looking for her lost goat. Uh, Her goat's name is Samson. And she's pretty frantic because her and Edward's farm is not really doing so well right now. Um, They're kind of like in a, like a rent to own situation where- Their land is actually owned by Edward's older brother, Wallace. Edward and Wallace's father had died and left everything to Wallace to kind of take care of and divvy out as appropriate. And Mm -hmm. so Edward is living on this land and they've got just a couple more payments left to Wallace before that land is theirs. But their farm's not doing so well. So she's like, fuck, I lost this goat. We're not doing well. We can't afford to not have this goat. And so she's frantically searching for this goat. She goes out into the woods calling Samson, Samson, and she eventually finds this pit in the woods. She can hear sounds coming from it. So she goes up to investigate. At first she hears like these bleeding sound, bleating, not bleeding, bleating, like goats bleat, bleeding sounds coming from, it's like a really, really deep pit from down below. So she's like, Samson must have fallen. She's kind of crawling in trying to see what she can see. And as she kind of starts entering this pit, this cold, horrible sensation washes over her. And she starts hearing these sounds of these like children's voices, like crying and like, come down, come help me. And she's like, okay, that's fucked up. She's like, the devil's in this pit. I'm out of here. And so she leaves this pit and she's still, she's pretty convinced like, okay, Samson's probably down there, probably dead. And she goes back towards the farm and Edward finds her and she tells him very apologetically, like, I lost this goat. I'm so sorry. And he's very kind to her about it. And we quickly discover that 
Abatha and Edward, while it's not necessarily a romantic relationship because Mm -hmm. she was sold to him, like there was no relationship to start out with, there's still a lot of caring between them. He does his best to take care of her and um, she feels pretty safe and comfortable with him and they share kind of little secrets between themselves like she can read um which is not super common so they she reads to him at night and he paints her which is also an art form that's kind of frowned upon well it's not super romantic they still have a lot of love for each other so they head back to the farm together and as they get back to the farm edward's older brother wallace is there and wallace comes to them and he's basically like hey i recently tried to venture out and start tobacco farming that has failed miserably so i owe a ton of money to my business partner so i offered up your farm as repayment so um sorry guys like it's not going to be your farm anymore since i'm so generous i worked it out with them that you could stay and work here for them and that sort of thing abatha and edward are pretty pissed and abatha finds that she can't hold her tongue and she starts standing up to him and he's like edward control your woman control your woman this is unacceptable and but abatha just keeps going and eventually wallace starts threatening to turn her in to the town like the ministers the leaders of the 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 church who are there for the leaders of the town for her behavior and threatens to have her sent to the stocks she despite this keeps running her mouth because she can't she can't keep (laughs) she can't keep herself in check and Wallace becomes more and more infuriated and Edward to appease him and kind of get him off their back ends up agreeing to the deal. Like, that's fine. We'll, we'll take the farm. Just please don't let, don't turn in my wife. Don't turn in my wife. And right, right. Abba's pissed and she's about to keep arguing, but she looks over at Edward and can see that he's just terrified for her. And Aww. so she eventually holds her tongue and they get Wallace they get to Wallace to leave and then they kind of talk it out afterwards and decide that they're going to go to the minister of the town so they make the trip into town they talk to the minister Wallace is there as well and the minister actually ends up siding with them like oh Wallace if you already made this deal with them that after x amount of payments that land would be theirs it's not really within your rights to use that as repayment for something else they have the opportunity to repay you in full. If they're unable to, the land reverts back to you and then you can use it as repayment. Mm -hmm. Wallace is pissed, but Abatha and Edward are stoked. They're like, thank God we have an opportunity to to keep our land for ourselves. But they're also still stressed out because farm's not doing so good. How are we going to make these payments? They head back to their farm and Abatha requests that Edward build a fence around the pit because she's like, the devil's in there. Like something fucked up is happening down there. It's dark. It's scary. And I don't want any more of our animals following down it. So they go out towards the pit together and Edward starts to build a fence around it for her. While they're out there, Abatha pulls out a charm that she's made. It's a cross woven in kind of red yarn it has some feathers in it and she goes and places it at the entrance of the cave to kind of ward off whatever is in there and Uh edward again gets pretty fearful for abatha because she's making charms which is kind of a forbidden witchy art more than that he knows that she's been kind of dealing charms to women in the town like Oh, here, here's a charm that will help you and X's love life. Here's a charm that will help with this, you know? And so he's really fearful for her. He's like, you have to stop doing that. You can't do that. They're like, Wallace is already on our backs. He already has it out for you. You are going to end up in a bad situation. You cannot do that. And she's pissed because 
women's rights, which didn't exist back then, but she's, she's like, this is ridiculous. Like I should be able to do and say what I want. They have a fight. She storms off. So Edward's alone around this pit, continuing to kind of like build up this fence when he, he hears the goats bleeding come coming again from the pit. And so he's like, is this Samson? And so he kind of wanders into the pit to check it out. And the bleeding again turns into the sound of a child sobbing and saying like, help, like he hears this child's voice coming from deep in the pit. Like, help me, please help me, help me. I've fallen. I'm hurt. And so he's obviously like, what the fuck? And he at first is like, oh, I'll go get help. And then he's like, wait, this makes no sense. Like this is, this is fucked up. And so he starts he starts frantically trying to get out of the pit, but he falls into the pit and it's a very, very deep pit. He breaks his back oh at the bottom God. of this pit. It's completely dark. So he's paralyzed. He's barely alive. And this dark creature in the pit starts feeding upon him <laughs> and he dies. So Abatha turns back around when she finds that he's not at the pit anymore. She realizes what must have happened, that he must have fallen. She calls for him, but can't hear or see anything. So she runs and goes out for help, um, brings back a couple of the neighboring farmers, but they're unable to see, like save him or even retrieve his body because it's such a deep, perilous pit. So she is now a widow. They have a funeral for him in back in town and... <laughs> After the funeral, she is approached by the reverend again, and Wallace also comes with him. They come up to her, and they're basically like, uh, Abatha, you no longer have a man in your life. And as Abatha's closest male relative, Wallace is to kind of assume care over her now. Basically, she'll turn into like a servant in his home, but he'll provide her a roof and food and all that bullshit. And the farm will now be under his control. <clears throat> She's obviously pissed because she does not want that. She ends up pulling in some abstract town laws and some like prior situations where this has happened, where a woman was allowed to keep her farm um, and fend for herself. And ultimately the reverend decides to side with her and says that if she can make her final payments, then the farm will go to her and she will own it and run it basically on her late husband's behalf, which is dope for her. Um, yes. Wallace is pissed though um, and immediately begins to plot against her to make sure that she doesn't make that final payment and that the farm will ultimately fall to him. So Abatha returns back to the farm and is really struggling on her own. The farm was already doing bad with two people. So now having the man out of the picture who did a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the kind of nitty gritty details of the farm, she's really struggling to figure out how to do it all on her own and how she's going to make it. But she is so determined and so bullheaded that no, I will not go to be Wallace's fucking servant. Yeah. She's like, she figures her shit out and finds a way to, um, to basically do things that were really hard for her, like harnessing the donkey to help plow the cornfields. Um, mm. the, the harness is too heavy for her to lift on her own. So she ends up figuring out how to rig it up so she can lift it and get it on the donkey, like things like that, where she's like, no, I'm fucking doing it. 
Yeah. But even still, while she's figuring it all out, Farm's still not doing too terribly hot. Meanwhile, the dark spirit, quote unquote, father, as the wild folk call it, is gaining strength and he begins to wander out of his pit and go around into the forest. It's kind of interesting because he's this, he's kind of having an identity crisis where he's, he doesn't have (laughs) memories of his past and who he is. And so he's trying to piece together, like, what kind of spirit am I? Like, who am I? Where did I come from? What did I do before I was at the bottom of this pit? This, the wild folk kind of are evading questions and won't really tell him. He's wandering around the forest, um, has a couple moments where he encounters other people and the wild folk are like, kill them, kill them. And in one in particular, there's this old woman and then a, and then a young boy who are out picking berries. He comes across them and the wild folk are like, kill them, feast on them. And he goes up and is kind of like looking at the boy and is, and the boy offers him like some berries. And so he's like, oh, I don't want to kill this creature. Like, no. And then the old woman sees him and is like, oh, it's the devil. It's Satan. It's Satan. And he ends up killing the grandma and the boy drops his pail, flees and father quote unquote is basically like, well, whatever. And feasts on the grandma. Um, (laughs) All this time, you know, the pit's pretty close to Abatha's farm. So he's kind of been hovering on the peripherals. They've had some brush ins and some incidences, but he feels sort of a pull to Abatha and feels kind of like she somehow holds the answer or like can help him uncover the answers to who he was, who he is. And so he starts spending more and more time around the farm. Meanwhile, the wild folk spirits are urging him to kill her, but he doesn't. He's like, no, no, like, I don't think so. And so so one day Abatha is out at her well. She's trying to get up some water, but she hears children's voices coming from the bottom of the well. She kind of goes into this sort of trance and these voices are like, come farther, come further, just fall in, just fall in. And she's like, you know, I am suffering up here. Like, I'm likely I'm just going to go to Wallace's farm anyway. A death in the well would actually be pretty nice. And then my body would probably rot in here, which would make this well unusable once he takes over our fucking farm. So maybe it is a good idea to fall in. And so she's leaning closer and closer over the edge of this well but she does manage to pull herself away at the last minute and faints in doing so and kind of coming out of this trance. She passes out. She wakes up to actually her cat, Buka, who is this like really sweet, deformed kitty that she had saved from a dog attack. So it's like missing an eye. It's got like a gimpy tail, but it's like she wakes up to this kitty snuggling up on her and purring and she's on the ground outside of this well and she notices well because when she was leaning over the well the pail had snapped and gone into the water so she was kind of like fuck I have no way to get water now but she notices the pail is out of the water and is now sitting next to her and she also notices a second pail that is full of berries and she's like what is this and so yes. she starts eating berries because she's the farm's not doing well. So she hasn't the girl has not been eating well. She's not looking good. So she starts shoveling these berries into her mouth, and then she's like, "Where did these berries come from?" And then she notices this. Sh- <laughs> she's not the brightest. Um, <laughs> she notices this shadowy, dark figure lurking nearby, and she asks it what it wants because she's kind of fucking done at this point. She's had several run-ins. She's like. 
her. Pissed. She's like, dude, leave me the fuck alone. She asks it what it wants from her. It asks her for help. And she's like, why would I do that? And he's like, because I might grow in, grow angry and kill you if you don't. And she's like, okay, okay. You make some fair points here. Um, and she asks it if it's her soul that he wants. And he's pretty confused. He's like, why the fuck would I want your soul? She's like, no, I just, he's like, no, I just want help figuring out who I am. Like, I don't want your soul. What? what? And she's like, are you Satan? And he's like, why do people keep calling me Satan? Who the fuck is this Satan guy? And um, eventually he kind of runs off because she's not super forthcoming. He runs off and he has very, he's sulking. He's, he's got very like, no one understands me like vibes. He runs off into the forest and she kind of has pity on this creature. She Mm -hmm. makes him a flower crown from some flowers in her farm. And she brings it to him as he's like kind of sitting on a stump, like sulking and he's got his back to her. He won't turn around as she comes up. Um, So she brings, (laughs) she brings this dark demon, a flower crown (laughs) and, uh, and she hands it to him. He places it on his head. And as soon as he places it on his head, they both start feeling this like tingle, this energy current in the air. And he grabs her wrist and he's like, this is our chance. Like, tell me what you need. And she's like, I need fucking corn. (laughs) That's what I need. I need corn so I can pay off my fucking debts. He's like, well, you just made an offering to me. Like, do you like the magic is prime for this now? You just need to ask me, like, truly ask me for corn. And so she's like, corn, give me corn, damn you. Like, I need fucking corn. (laughs) And this pulse starts coming up through the ground and rushes into her hand, her arm, her chest. She describes it as this incredibly sweet sensation and he begins to chant. She joins him in the chanting and as they're chanting, this pulse begins to develop and she can channel it into the corn Mm -hmm. and the corn starts fucking flourishing. And she's got all of these lush, beautiful heads of corn, like so much corn. She doesn't even know what to do with. So she's like, fuck, this is amazing. She's stoked. She's excited. She's also like that magic felt incredible. Like this was amazing. And so this is the beginning for the journey between Abatha and this dark creature who eventually she's like, I'm not going to call you father. Cause she's like, who are you? And he's like, I don't know. The wild folk call me father. And she's like, I'm not going to call you father. Like that's so fucking weird. Like you look like my goat. So I'm going to call you Samson. So she calls him Samson. <laughs> this is the beginning for Abatha and Samson as they embark on this journey for Abatha to save her farm and for Samson to discover who and what he is. And, you know, of course, Wallace discovers that her corn is thriving. At one point, he tries to steal it, um, fails, so he ends up burning down her barn. So, of course, this leads Abatha down a path of working more and more magic with with Samson and discovering the consequences that follow as she's embarking into this kind of darker side of the world, I guess you would say. And so that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. My thoughts on this book. This book definitely has big witch energy. There's like broomstick rides. There's obviously magic. Obviously those charms that I talked about. There's witch trials. Like there's all of that good kind of puritanical witchy shit. 
And yes. it's also definitely full of feminine rage. Abatha is mm. pissed and she is not afraid to take her fury out on the people who have caused it for her. Hell yes. It's full of that feminine rage and like female empowerment, especially with that that backdrop of the puritanical society, that puritanical New England that's really strict and harsh on women. Um, which I thought was really fun, really great. This book was a, like, it was a 3.5 out of 5 for me. Honestly, the beginning was, the beginning was really tough for me because it's, I mean, it's, it's a historical setting. So it's got some of that historical lingo that is just kind of boring (laughs) and dreary. It was kind of drab for me at first. It started getting a lot better for me once Abatha began making deals with the devil. Um, yes. So after that happened and she started really kind of embracing like, fuck this. Like, no, this is what's happening. Yeah. That's when I was kind of like, hell yeah, Abatha, let's do this. Yes. And it's also a really great look at Christian lore and pagan lore and kind of the intermixing of them, which I really liked. Yeah. I actually wrote a paper in high school about Christian traditions and how they have stolen from pagan lore in the past. So this was like a Ooh. really interesting interesting that for me I was all about that um it's also just like a really fun revenge story like it definitely gets dark but it's like really satisfying and like uh, fuck them all up Abatha fuck yes. them all up so it's really yes. fun to, for uh, it to kind of go down that path overall I definitely would recommend this book I do think it's perfect for Halloween it uh, definitely gives those like witchy Halloween vibes um mm. you know it's it'd be a really good book to read as we're nearing All Hallows Eve when that veil is thinning between worlds and oh, yeah. the folk may come to call you know so it's fun. at what point like what percentage of the way through were you like okay it's picking you up know, me it doesn't take too long before Abatha start, starts making deals with the devil um, I think it's probably like a quarter of the way in is when that starts happening. And then so from then on, it it gets a lot more interesting for me personally. So not that long. Yeah. Um, but that first quarter, I was like, mm, like I don't want to read about puritanical New England and yeah, the awkward sex between a man oh. and his a woman 10 years younger and they don't love each other. Like, eh, not for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. after that point, like, it's a lot of fun. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but like Daddy Devil, like even though he looks kind of like a goat, I was like, he's kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he was like a demon daddy. And I was like, okay, why am I turned on by a creature with goat legs? And it's not, it's definitely not like a romance. Like no spoilers there. Like it's not like a romance. So yeah. anyway, that's Slewfoot. I love that there are pictures. Yeah, I know. I was down for it too. I love pictures and books. Oh my God. I know when you were talking about, um, <laughs> she's like, I'm not going to call you father. And I was in my mind, I was like, yeah, <laughs> call him daddy. I love that. That's beautiful. Also like a satisfying revenge story. Like, Oh, oh, so good. Oh, good. So good. It also definitely gives, what's that like play? Oh my God. Why can't I remember the name? I literally acted in this play. Oh my God. Hold on. This is going to drive me nuts. You did theater? I briefly did theater. Oh, Rusty must hear me. He just texted me. The cr- it's the crucible. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rusty. <laughs> yeah, thank you, babe. 
Um, the crucible. It definitely gives like kind of the crucible vibes as there's like a woman put on trial for like the wrongs of like men. So, but yes, I did play Abigail in the crucible <laughs> in high school. Yeah. So that's my kind of end of spooky season read. And I'm glad, I'm very glad I read it. I would recommend yeah. it. Yeah. I have a would you rather. Okay, good. Cause I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I pulled it from, okay. So I actually have like a literal book of questions. Fabulous. <laughs> but I just skipped to like the first would you rather I could find. So Persephone. Yes. Would you rather watch an Olympics that outlawed performance enhancing drugs or one that embraced them and let athletes use medical pit crews to jack up their performances? Oh, fuck yeah. That'd be dope. <laughs> okay. So I think, okay. First instincts. I think that'd be so fucking cool. Cause that'd be like, oh wow, the peak, like the peak humanity that you can reach to. But there is something also immensely satisfying in seeing people do incredible shit that you could never imagine doing without <gasps> performing enhancing drugs. Yes. You know, like that's also, that's actually really fucking incredible. Dude, I don't know. Can we have both? I want both. I want one Olympics with performing enhancing drugs and one without. Which sport or like acts would you want performance enhancing drugs? And which one would you want like au natural? Which would I want them for? Anything that involves like brawn, like the, what's shot put? Where they're like chucking things or like. The fig- like figure skating with performing enhancing drugs oh, would be insane. Insane. Yes. Like, imagine how high you could throw people, how many fucking twirls you could do. Like, so <laughs> that'd be crazy. So epic. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then which would I not? I think gymnastics probably. Because I think performance, like bulking up in gymnastics is not the way to go. And then like any of the winter sports, I think you don't need performance enhancing drugs for. Yeah, like if you were like curling or something, you would like accidentally poke like the puck or whatever and it would just like (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Go way too far. How about you? Performance enhancing or no performance enhancing? Oh, I think I think similarly I think I think both would be really cool. Like I think for I was thinking for like gymnastics and acrobatics acrobatics those drugs would be cool like the jumps and stuff that's true and then also just like the the one with like the bar where they're like swinging around it and shit yeah 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 yeah. I think that performance enhancing drugs for like swimmers and like divers would be really cool I think not as much for like runners like oh it's so incredible like watching people run like that is amazing but I was also when you were talking about like the brawnier like sports I was thinking of like um my dad so my dad is like part Scott he's like took the DNA test or whatever and is very attached to these roots he takes us to the Highland Games oh my god yes it is pretty fun I will say is that the ones where they do like the logs like flipping logs and shit yeah they flip these logs. They throw these boulder rock things. There are these other ones where they have these, like, pedal bells that they fucking fling up over this, like, bar. And they keep, this like, every... so dangerous. Doesn't it sound insane? And then, like, every round, they, like, 
move it up another rung so it's like bananas but i think that would be bitching on like that would be crazy <laughs> that'd be crazy yeah, so yeah. Really, we're here for both <laughs> yeah. we want both yeah we want both but ultimately unfortunately we don't need those drugs because because we would rather be reading (laughs) oh i think it's impossible virtual for us to sync that up oh my god yeah there's yes bye bye guys